Hello, and welcome to How Do You Drew? This is a Drew Barrymore podcast brought to you by thedrewzium.com. I'm Ashley. And I'm Anne. And I am so excited. <laughs> yes, you are. This Let me put is it like this your child. I woke up this morning and told Jason, today's the big day. It's like I'm going to have the final oral exam for what I've been studying for for 25 years. <laughs> like that's great honey (laughs) first of all this is our 10th episode which is worth celebrating yay we made it to 10 (laughs) and this is going to be a supersizer I believe because there's a lot to talk about here this is a topic I am really passionate about (laughs) (laughs) and luckily we don't have a lot of business to take care of at the top so this is mostly going to be an episode that focuses on the weekly topic it's a hyper-focused, Ashley-focused. <laughs> I'm like jumping <laughs> out of my skin. <laughs> do we want to say what it is yet or should we just do a couple follow-ups and then? Uh, let's do the follow-ups. Okay. So do you remember last week I told you during the Jamie Lee Curtis interview, like I read mm-hmm. an article and I'm pretty sure it was Entertainment Weekly. So like a legit publication, not one of those okay. crappy. And it said that she went to the hospital because she watched Halloween while she was high, right? Okay. So I know. And we were both like, what? What, the, what is that? So I finally watched the panel. Here's her actual quote. Okay. Watching it while high, I can't. Send me just to the hospital right now. So <laughs> she didn't go to the hospital. Like it was metaphorical. <laughs> I'm like, Entertainment Weekly, come on. (laughs) She went to the hospital. I know. We should clarify that so nobody thinks like you're just totally crazy, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) She is. That's okay. (laughs) This is just for my own sanity because, you know, we always talk a bunch of crap about getting dates wrong. Well, (laughs) (laughs) when we were talking about that Play Mocha event where Drew's photography was featured, and you asked me what year it was. And I was like, uh, 2013 is actually July, 2012. So just wanted on the record that I'm correcting myself, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Okay. We're like, not as good about our own lives as we are about Drew's life. Let's be honest. <laughs> and then we always seem to every week now have some sort of like, here's what we were talking about and here's what happened in Drew's world, right? Like the connection. Yeah. I think we need to start calling this like cosmic coincidences or something like that. Cosmic, the cosmic cow coincidences. (laughs) And if you don't know, I think that's maybe a a, like nickname she's called when she was a kid by people and they were teasing her and Ashley and I have called each other cosmic cow and worm, which I don't know. That's unrelated. (laughs) It's unrelated. (laughs) But Cosmic Cow is a thing that Drew was literally called and she was teased. So maybe, maybe we shouldn't put the cow in there. But yeah, Cosmic Coincidences. Maybe we have a new segment. <laughs> maybe it would be a little harsh to call it Cosmic Cows. Um, but Cosmic course- Cow Incidences. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously last week we talked about Find It and Everything. And then CBS New York did this like rapid fire segment where she was walking from their set to her set and they just asked her questions real Mm -hmm. quick. And they said, Mm -hmm. do you collect anything? And she says hearts and she starts talking about heart shapes and talks about finding and everything. And I just thought it was (laughs) very strange. (laughs) 
<laughs> Even it's Jelena cool. was like, and- what? <laughs> it's funny. But I also, mean- I mean, I had this response to it, like, in the past when you said it, where I, I guess maybe you said like, oh, we don't think it's magic. Because I said, oh, it's just that Drew's so consistent and we love and we love her consistency. But this is like, it's not like she just talks about her book. No, I can't even remember the last time she brought it up. That's what it is. It's like things that it's like, what? She hasn't talked about this person or this incident or whatever in so long. I literally don't think it's like she's listening and then thinking about it because they're happening. Like the timing is just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's just weird. (laughs) So for what's new with Drew, I only made one note because it was kind of a slow week. We have a lot of stuff to cover this week. So I didn't feel like getting into anything that wasn't that notable, but I don't know if you saw this. She is going to be on the Simpsons. Well, tomorrow as of this recording. So unfortunately this will air two days later so hopefully people can go mm-hmm. back and watch it I don't even know it does it stream somewhere Where you watch the Simpsons I know, I know. <laughs> um but so the episode is called the king of nice and Marge becomes a talk show segment producer and Drew comes on as herself and she did the voice and everything and then uh so they had Marge call in to the Drew Barrymore show <laughs> which is really fun and you know Drew's been a lifelong Simpsons yeah basically so she was really excited (laughs) and uh, Marge said that she had uh, dressed up as Drew a couple times for Halloween so they showed like artwork of her as Charlie's (laughs) Angels with her sisters (laughs) and then as Casey from Scream with Homer as Ghostface That's so amazing. I'll put the pictures up on the episode page, but uh, obviously it's Halloween time. It makes sense. But I was like, yeah. oh, how perfect. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. And yeah. so great. Yeah, um, so... so you mentioned something a minute ago that directly relates to our weekly topic. Oh, I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> a little movie called Scream. <laughs> maybe possibly Ashley's favorite movie of all time. Oh, there's no maybe. It is. Okay. <laughs> well, I was kind of thinking earlier. Scream is to me as Donnie Darko is to you as far as Drew's filmography. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, because it's it has a similar sort of like smaller part and right. then sort of like excitement about everything that comes out about it. Yeah. I think that you definitely are are much more intense about Scream than I am about Donnie Darko. But I'm probably I think that more that's... intense about Scream than most people are about anything. <laughs> <laughs> valid statement Um, but yes I do agree that if there was an episode that kind of I would take ownership of it probably would be Donnie Darko yeah that's sort of what I was thinking scream here's our topic All right. And go. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. A lot of this information just lives in my head, but I really wanted to be like, this is really important to me to get right. <laughs> so I did a lot of research on this episode and I'm going to put all of the resources that I used on the episode page. So just to give credit and just sort of be thorough, it just felt like the appropriate thing to do this time around because I mean, every day for the past week I've been working on this. (laughs) I just want to start off before we get into everything. I have two quotes from Drew about her character. And one of them is just like 
a great Druism. <laughs> so I thought this was a fun one to put in here. <laughs> so she said, I play Casey. She's a high school student, really young and sweet and naive and innocent. And just a really, really toffee apple eating kind of luscious gum smacking girl. <laughs> it was really fun for me. And I wore this great blonde flippy wig. The poor little lamb does get the shit frightened out of her on every level. <laughs> and I love that wow. there was the little, little lamb. lamb again. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, would we call that wig a flippy wig? I wouldn't. It's interesting to me because it flips under. So I don't think of it as a flippy, but I get what oh, she's saying. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Like it's yeah. more of a bob, but yes. uh, she says flippy many times. We'll get more into that. Okay. But also, yeah, we just have to kind of highlight really, really toffee apple eating, kind of luscious gum smacking girl. Is that amazing? <laughs> so perfect. It's so good. <laughs> and of course, the little lamb, as we mentioned previous episode, Drew called me little lamb because yeah. I was crying the first time I met her. So just to kind of, oh, <laughs> I know. Isn't that great? I was, I was, um, you know, well, I guess I shouldn't, if you haven't seen Scream, spoilers. Yeah. If you haven't seen Scream, sorry, um, but get out of here. <laughs> but did she, did she think I was about to be murdered? <laughs> Maybe you probably looked that scared. <laughs> um, she also said she's sweet and innocent, but her naivete can lead her into dangerous situations. It's that classic horror movie thing of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I just thought both of those were good little like starters. We should say that we are really going to focus just on Drew's scene, which doesn't sound like it would be a lot, but it's a lot. <laughs> Um, I mean, I could talk for 20 hours about the entire movie. That's just way more than we can get into here. And mm -hmm. I really wanted to focus on, you know, the iconic scene that Drew stars in. Yep. All right. So let's take it way back before production or anything. Just really shortly, I'll just say that Miramax won a bidding war for the script, which was by Kevin Williamson. And it was titled Scary Movie at that time. And Woods Entertainment had a deal with Miramax and Carrie Woods was friends with Drew's agent. So oh, interesting. I know. So that's kind of how it originally got to her. Okay. Um, I just want to take note here that we will not be doing You've Got Mail, but instead we went ahead and put out um, an open call for questions or comments that people had about the next episode, which is now this episode. We got our first comment or kind of a demand <laughs> <laughs> so um it looks like it's from at flim staten island they said talk about how she was almost sydney so ashley go ahead <laughs> all right so i feel like should i put a trigger warning in here before the name harvey weinstein <laughs> unfortunately oh, the weinsteins were very involved and uh the name's gonna come up a little bit so yep. he had pitched her the movie to be Sydney, the lead role, which is Nev Campbell's role for anyone who mm -hmm. doesn't know. And he spent like the first 10 minutes of this pitch talking about the opening scene and then like just five minutes on the rest of the film, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> but she signed on to be Sydney. She loved the script. A couple quotes would be, oh my God, there hasn't been anything like this for so long. I remember reading it at home at night alone, and I was so upset. I was so flipped out. I can't believe there wasn't a cover letter that said, don't read this alone if you're a girl. <laughs> I was like, seriously, this is irresponsible. <laughs> I was terrified. I was so messed up. But I thought, God, if it's that good in the writing, can you imagine how good it will be when it comes to life? So she was like 
excited. Um, she loved that it was tongue in cheek, but still scary. She understood the potential. She said that kind of for the first time in her career, she thought about potential financial success here. And so mm. she joined forces with the Weinsteins to very unofficially produce the movie. And like okay. very quietly, you know, this is basically the first real project that came to fruition that Flower Films worked on just without credit. And obviously they there wasn't they weren't involved in the entire movie, um, but okay. sort of getting it off the ground. Can I ask, are they or she or Nancy actually listed as producers? No, like totally unofficial. Quiet. Wow. OK, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember in Diary she's going around with like all the movie posters in the office. Yes. And she says like, we unofficially, or I can't remember the words. She's, we worked on scream ever after the wedding singer. Like they worked on those movies. Yes. They weren't officially producers. So, so interesting. Yeah. Yes. I remember the poster and literally when, when you were saying that part, I was picturing that part from diary without remembering what part it was from. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, they had it on the wall. Like yep. the movies they worked on. <laughs> Okay, so they approached Wes Craven, but he originally passed on the movie. He kind of didn't want to do anything that intense and sort of like was trying to get away from that sort of thing. Um, so then they thought of Robert Rodriguez and Drew and one or both Weinsteins flew up to the Toronto International Film Festival. There was the four rooms premiere happening and we have pictures of Drew attending that. So and actually Nancy was there, too which makes a lot of sense. So they were trying to pitch it to him. And then if you recall, she also attended the premiere of his movie from dusk till dawn in January, 96. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that when I like kind of did the timeline, I'm like, wow, I wonder when Wes came on. Cause I sort of feel like that was such a random premiere for her to be at. I think yeah. it only makes sense if she was sort of like courting him still, uh, Robert yeah. Rodriguez. Yeah. So let's guess probably soon after that that's when it changed. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and our next comment question is from our dear friend, Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi, I Katie. assume this is the Katie. It is the <laughs> Katie, the one and only wonderful Katie. Yes. Katie, I just got to say, like, I love that you are part of this Druby world now. Um, also part of the Scream world with your associations with um, Matthew Lillard. We love you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Her question was, was Drew instrumental in helping Wes Craven get on board? Love the way it subverted film expectations by killing her off and making the audience feel unsafe. So, yes, um, as Katie said, Wes eventually did sign on. And he has said multiple times that Drew's involvement was one of the draws for him. And of course, this is when she was still signed on to be Sydney. <laughs> Yes. So he said that she has a great energy. She had a vulnerability despite her exterior toughness. She's very open and frank. She's completely there. And Drew loved, and this is one of her like many often said things when she was promoting the movie. She uh -huh. felt like the last great major horror movie in her mind was Nightmare on Elm Street, which was West yeah. Man. So she loved okay. that sort of like full circle thing. Okay, cool. So she's in her New York apartment one night. And it just hit her. She got on the phone and she said, I have to play the first part. So <laughs> she was kind of thinking of Janet Lee and Psycho and Angie Dickinson in Dress to Kill. And she was thinking about how in Halloween and similar franchises, you always know you're safe when you're with that one character because you know they won't die. <laughs> um, so she knew that this would kind of mess with the system and be fun. She said she'd still promote the movie as if she was the lead. 
Now there have been, and it's always like a source in quotes, <laughs> rumors okay. that she backed out because she was nervous that the movie would fail. Personally, I don't think there's any truth to that because she was so excited about the script and yeah. worked so hard. Like it just really doesn't add up in my head. I mean, I think she really just did have this sort of like moment of, you know, knowledge that this would be a cooler way to do it. And, you know, she was excited about that opening scene. Yep. And I feel like I've only heard, obviously, I'm not in as in the weeds as you are about kind of the whole pre-production of this and all that. But yes, every all the narratives were that Drew, at least when it came out, like, you know, when she was promoting it, she would have been saying, I'm going to die. But it was just sort of that <laughs> right. thing where, like, once that was out, the narrative was, like, basically, it was her idea. It was genius. Yeah. Like, clearly, this changes the canon of scary films. Oh, so, totally. I know. It's funny because, like, now it's sort of expected, at least. I mean, I don't watch that many extent, of them. Like, if you see a big actor, you yeah, they're like, in the oh, beginning. can't know anything. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So Wes was crushed at first, but uh, she told him, I think I can take this picture and kick it off in a way you'll be happy with. And of course, Wes was like, she was absolutely right. And he Mm -hmm. said that she kicked that picture off into the stratosphere in the first 15 minutes in a way nobody's been able to forget, which is so true. (laughs) That's, and that's really like amazing. And yeah, absolutely true. Okay. So our next question is from at underscore Ethan Wood, but the A is a four. <laughs> Thanks for your question. So the question is, do you think Drew should have stayed with playing the main character? So what are your feelings on this? No. <laughs> right. So I mean this, so I'm not a huge horror film fan, but I do love Scream. And it does something really different. And I saw this film, I guess we can talk about it a little bit um, before I was a Drew fan. And so I guess that can kind of go into this consideration now that I am a massive Drew fan. I love that there's such a powerful opening, like not just because Drew is a big star. And second of all, I can't imagine Nev Campbell not being Sydney. Right. I know. Like, I don't feel like that character would have felt like Drew. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I like thinking about it. I like a fantasizing what would that have looked like you know how would mm-hmm. she have played that part because I do think it would feel very different I don't think her and Nev have a lot of similarities in the way that they act or the way that their personalities come across you know of course it's that thing where we we can't imagine it any other way than the way it went right yeah. but it would be interesting I did see um so I will link to this book but um I'm friendly with the author he wrote this book called it all began with a scream And Mm -hmm. I love what he did because um, accuracy was very important to him in his reporting. So he like debunked stuff that we always know like isn't true, but people spread around, which I really appreciate. And he did a huge amount of research and interviews with all kinds of people, cast and crew. But um, I didn't write down this exact quote or who it was from, but one of the producers did feel like later on looking back with hindsight, like maybe Drew wouldn't have meshed into the ensemble as well because she was a lot more known than most of them were at that time Mm. and she may have stood out a little bit and rather than Nev definitely was sort of I mean she'd been on Party of Five but she wasn't like a massive star before the movie came Mm -hmm. out um Mm -hmm. so she feels like she's one of them right and maybe Drew would have stood out from that which is an Interesting. interesting point yeah that's a that's a good way to look at it 
for sure. Because yeah, the impact of the whole idea that this big, huge stars at the beginning of the movie, their faces on the poster, there's like, it's totally unexpected. Yeah. I'll definitely get into it when we talk about like our personal experience. Awesome. Seeing it. Awesome. <laughs> and then just another really quick, like pre-production thing. This company, KNB Effects, who do all kinds of movie special effects, monsters, makeup, they made the dummy version of Drew's character. And we have. Of her corpse, you mean? Yeah, good point. <laughs> of her dead character. <laughs> and we have some really cool photos of her in their shop when she went to basically take the reference photos. I'm sure they took measurements yeah. of her and all that. Do we have dates on those pictures? It's definitely, so it's definitely between, I can say certainly between January and April 96. So that's, okay. I mean, that's pretty good. I got that nailed down pretty good. <laughs> this was a thing that I fully manifested. And I don't know if you remember this. So you somehow had the E! True Hollywood story of Scream, like maybe okay. recorded on VHS or something. Yep, I, that I watched right. it at yep. your house. That was the first time I saw it. Yeah. And they show a real quick snippet of basically somebody's working on the dummy and there's two reference photos of Drew like yes. off to the side. And, and I, I just have to say about this, I can't remember if I saw it first and then I was like, you have to see this. I'm not or sure. Or we just watched it together, but they're insane. <laughs> and I, I remember being in your living room and saying, oh my God, can you imagine having those photos? <laughs> well, like <laughs> years later, I got in touch with them just on a whim, like, do you guys have anything from the movie? And they still had a couple of the photos and I was able to purchase them, like the original prints. So that's like probably top three in my entire collection because they just mean so much to me because of the affiliation yeah. with this movie and how like rare and amazing they are. So uh, very, very, very lucky to have those. And they're just cool they're to see. Super cool. <laughs> yeah. Like yes. it's neat to see her like posing her head, like in the certain way that they knew that they wanted the dummy to look. Yep. They're great. Yep. And she's got, I mean, I don't know if we said it, but she has black hair. Yeah. I'm going to get in into the images. Okay, cool. <laughs> so let's cool. get into the look. All right. Um, so we have a question regarding the look from Cosmic Ogapi, who left us a comment a couple weeks back. And they asked, I need to know the brand of that iconic sweater. Any way to find out? Girl, we got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> so first, let me just say that um, the costume designer is Cynthia Bergstrom. And okay. she had actually worked with Drew on No Place to Hide, which is pretty cool. I didn't I know. know that. So random, right? Yeah. Um, so she had said, this was actually in a recent interview with her. She said in no place to hide, both she and, uh, both of them, her and Drew wanted the character dressed differently from how the director wanted her dressed. And he wrote the script and he was really insistent on putting her in these completely quote unquote, over the top Xanadu type outfits. <laughs> and so she's like, even though I designed it and brought all the elements together, it was really outlandish. So when we first spoke on the phone about Scream, she spoke about that and said, can we just not do an outfit like that? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> can you imagine Casey dressed like that character? <laughs> it's great. That's amazing. Okay. So we're going to get into a little segment here 
my wonderful friend Alex, who he's basically my number one Scream fan friend. Uh, anything <laughs> Scream that comes up, we like instantly talk to each other. We met on a message board forever ago. I think he was like 15 and I was 30, which I was thinking back. Oh my like, God. That's kind of creepy. <laughs> but uh, it's always been very platonic. <laughs> um, and he's just like, he knows his shit. And like me, he's obsessed with accuracy. Um we're both very pedantic about the details of Scream. So we like can, you know, complain about things together. Amazing. Uh, I know. I just adore him. He has an Instagram. It's at Scream Style Sleuth, which is so fun. <laughs> and he hasn't really gotten it off the ground yet, but I've seen like what he's been working on. I hope it's okay for me to like kind of tell you ahead of time what it's going to be. But basically he seeks out um, the costumes from the movie, not the screen worn versions, but he finds people selling secondhand the same outfits or pieces. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's really cool. So he he knows a lot about the brands and all of that sort of stuff, which is really Amazing. cool. In fact, he like knows some info about uh, one of Courtney Cox's outfits, like the designer that the actual costume designer got wrong on a couple podcasts. He's like, actually, well, it's this brand. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I asked Alex if he would do some little write-ups about Casey's look because he just like knows his stuff so well. So I'm going to be <laughs> reading his notes. So thank you again, Alex, for helping out with this. So Casey's sweater was from J. Crew, and he actually found the 1996 J. Crew catalog that has it in it, <laughs> which is just great. And based off of that, the color was called Sand. They also had it in five other colors as well. And in 1996, it cost $48, which is just a fun <laughs> little detail. He's I been, love all of this. I know. He's been on the lookout for that exact sweater forever. He hasn't found it yet. Maybe when this episode comes out, it'll put something in the universe and he'll find it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, the sweater was made out of a linen cotton blend. And costume designer Cynthia Bergstrom said that having natural fibers was very important to her. She also tried to make the costume as timeless as possible. Mm -hmm. And I pulled a quote myself that says it needed to tell a story and not tell a story at the same time, which mm -hmm. is cool because it is like very simple, but it's yep. like so memorable at the same time. And it's, yeah, I was just going to say it's iconic. Yeah. Alex says the costume needed to make the character seem warm and friendly right off the bat. And Wes wanted a light <laughs> color to show blood. And Amazing. I know. And I have a quote that I pulled from Cynthia that I love this detail. She said, when Drew put that sweater on, I remember that she loved the sleeves. The sleeves were long and they came down covering a portion of her hand and just sort of let the fingers be seen. And Hold on. I got to stop you for a second. Okay. I know you're probably going to say something else, but it kind of reminds me, I just realized of the gray sweater that she's wearing in maybe the Jane photo shoot. Oh, you know, where it's like yeah. long, like maybe it goes over her hands a bit, like maybe not the same kind of striped, but I was just like realizing that in my mind, I feel like there's a picture. It's, I don't know if it's an outtake or one of the ones in Jane where she's like holding the sweater kind of in over front her of herself. Hands. Yes, yeah. I know anyway, so I just had that thought <laughs> and I wonder if like, what if we find out that's J. Crew? <laughs> that would be hilarious. I should look. <laughs> yes, but go ahead. Sorry. But I just love that detail because I feel like that always... It didn't always stand out to me, but as soon as I hear that, I'm like, yep, I can totally picture her holding the phone. And yeah. like, there's something like, I don't want to say vulnerable, but almost like 
when she's really scared and it's like her hands are mostly covered up, it just fits so well. Like it just feels so perfect. Yep. It's just a great detail. Okay. So back to Alex's notes, the pants were by British designer, Catherine Hamnett, and they were a light lavender color. Cynthia chose that color because it was a sweet, almost innocent color. He says he kind of remembers seeing that they were purchased at Fred Siegel, but he couldn't find the source. source. So he said, don't quote me on that. (laughs) So maybe that's like, put a little asterisk by that. I just wanted to note that people often seem to mistake that she's either wearing jeans or like khaki colored pants. And it is interesting because the way that the film is lit, they do almost look khaki colored. But if you see pictures like outside of the lighting of the film, you can sort of see that they're like a light lavender. So I'll share a picture in the episode page that shows that. Okay. All right. So Alex says, Casey wears absolutely no jewelry, accessories, or shoes. Likely as she's just relaxing at home, she just has a comfortable sweater and a simple pair of pants. She does appear to be wearing a long sleeve scoop neck t-shirt underneath. So you can see in some parts that there is a second layer underneath the sweater. And that's probably because it was very cold when they were filming this. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Even though like some people don't realize California can be cold, like Northern California at night, really cold. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure, will you later talk about where they filmed? Yes. Okay, great. So Drew's fitting for Scream was done at Wes Craven's own home. She was the first fitting done for the movie. And Cynthia speculates that Wes had the fitting in his home because he wanted to see Drew in the costume in a kitchen, which is so cool. Oh, so interesting. I know. Don't you love just imagining It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Instead of in like some stale like office or whatever types of spaces. Right. Costume fittings are done. Oh, that's like this girl's relaxing at home. Let's see it in a home. (laughs) Yeah. And I can sort of picture like, sort of like, oh yeah, the visionary wants to be able to see what they've been envisioning. Yeah. Um, And it's amazing. Thank you again, Alex. This guy is a wealth of information on the Scream costumes. Like me, he really mostly cares about the original movie. But if you guys have any questions about any of the costumes from the original movie, Message him at Scream Style Sleuth because he knows his stuff. <laughs> so awesome. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> thank you, Alex, for sharing this, this, all this awesome information. I love that, like, literally looking at our notes, it's like multiple paragraphs of information, which is yeah, so impressive. And <laughs> awesome. I included everything. <laughs> you know, I always say I love fans. You yeah. know, like, I love fandom. And so if someone's excited about something and nerding out, I'm like, yes, like I, I get you. Especially so. when they're full of great chunks of information. Yes. And, <laughs> and yeah, that's so great. So thank you. Yay. So a few more notes on the costume. I was actually, I had messaged Cynthia Bergstrom myself like a decade ago. Oh, and wow. She, yeah. She's really cool about like interacting with fans and she does podcasts and stuff. She was on our friend's fish netflix podcast once oh cool yeah so i had asked her about it and she said it was actually a really difficult costume to create many chefs in the kitchen everybody had an opinion drew and i were on the same page but the director and one of the producers wanted something else i always felt the costume was cute but not something a teenager would wear drew was wonderful to work with i mean i kind of response oh she said this to you like on instagram i was on facebook it was so long ago i don't even think Instagram was around. (laughs) Oh, okay. So So you, you saved this from then. Correct. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then 
way more recently, like in the last year, she was um, doing an interview with a website called Footwear News. Mm-hmm. And I love this. She said um, she would like go to the set, you know, right before filming was happening. So she said, I walked into the house, walked into the kitchen. Drew was rehearsing and I'll never forget this. She turned and looked at me and she smiles and winks. It just set the tone for this whole project. She was just so warm and friendly and genuine and just a chick hanging out. That was really fun. Oh, yeah. That that describes that describes Drew perfectly. Yeah. I love (laughs) that. (laughs) So we got another question from Ryan PJ87 on Instagram asking who is in possession of Drew's costumes from Scream. And that's a great question. So obviously we know there are multiple versions. They always have duplicates. Um, And then there was the version on the dummy. There is a version somewhere out there um, that was on display a couple times, maybe at like horror conventions or something long ago. I remember interacting with this person that went by the name The Horror Museum on eBay. And I Mm -hmm. believe they got one of the costumes at one point. I tried looking them up. It's like long gone website and everything. And it's kind of a mystery. So if anyone knows, please contact us. I have a friend named Corey who I'll talk about in a little while when I talk about some of the props he has. He has costumes for almost every character from the movie. Like Wow. Yeah. His collection is incredible. But I guarantee at one point he'll finally get the Casey costume. (laughs) Just seems inevitable. (laughs) And then I love that we get, you know, we always enjoy seeing some little peaks of Drew's tattoos in movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can see at least one on her back when she runs up to lock the front door. And then you can also see her butterfly at that climactic moment where she's being stabbed. So it's always just fun because the pants are pretty low. So yeah, you can yeah. some of her tattoo peak. So even though it was freezing there, like we talked about, she was really committed to being barefoot to make the character relaxed, natural, and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And in some shots where like they're, you know, just getting ready or setting up or like where her feet aren't in the shot, she's wearing this like huge black rain boots <laughs> or like fisherman <laughs> boots or something like, and she's like shivering, like so cold. So I just love that she had that, you know, dedication to the idea of being barefoot. Yeah, totally. Do we have pictures that show the shoes? I feel like I remember seeing like the boots. Yeah. Um. There's a really, like, you really have to look for it when she's like standing in the position that the dummy would be in and they're like putting the ropes kind of around her. Yeah. Bring them there. Cool. We got another question. Actually, this is another demand <laughs> <laughs> from at cookie couture queen. They say, I want some tea on your iconic hairstyle in the movie. I think they mean Drew's iconics to hairstyle in the movie. <laughs> Maybe they think for her. <laughs> okay. So Like we mentioned earlier, she had dyed her hair black. She either had done that in very late 95 or January 96. And she did it for herself, but she said she actually had wanted to wear it for Scream, which is so Mm. interesting to think about. But somebody, producers, director, whoever said it's awful. So (laughs) she was like, okay, we'll wear a wig. So she took pictures of Michelle Pfeiffer in Scarface to the wig Mm -hmm. maker And she also described it as this great little Sandra D with the bangs and a little flip. She's really luscious and cute, you know, same sort of thing. And (laughs) recently on her show, she claimed she still has the wig, but I'm going 
to take that with a big grain of salt. I I have a hard time believing that. <laughs> but if she it's does. It's very interesting. I wonder why. She says she saves all her wigs, which oh. is so cool, but I want proof. <laughs> we want to see it. Um, Drew's West... people, we know you're listening. I mean, we're pretty sure you're listening. You should be listening. Drew, you should be listening. Yeah, Show next, us. next week Show she'll us be wearing it. <laughs> Wes said that it's a good change for her. We put a blonde wig on her, make her look like the girl next door. And then I thought this was funny. Under the cigarettes and tattoos, she's a wonderful kid. (laughs) Oh, God. Somehow that sounds like it's sort of Steven Spielberg speaking through Yeah. I think they had a very similar, I mean, obviously Steven's a way bigger deal, but very similar, trusting, um, really close director to actress relationship. Yeah. That's really sweet. Yeah. I'll get into it more. Okay. We've got another question from Dale, who I know has been kind of an online friend of yours for a few years, right? Yeah. Dale is wonderful. Um, He's this very talented artist and dressmaker, and he happens to... I don't know if you remember this, totally by coincidence, I saw pictures one night of him, Katie, and Rika. This was way before we knew Katie and Rika knew each other. And they were all hanging out. I'm like, what? I know all three of you from different corners of the internet. This is crazy. But he's a big Rose McGowan fan, a big Scream fan. So that's kind of why there's an overlap there. Makes sense. So Dale asked us, what's the deal with the wig we sometimes see on display with the bloodied up costume. So there is this weird wig. So like I said, the costume had been on display at a couple maybe conventions. And there's this weird wig with it that is in no way the wig she wears in the movie. It's so weird. So I had heard at some point that it was supposedly a test wig that they tried out. But I don't even think that's true because it's like very short. It doesn't have the bangs. Like it in no way has the like, Scarface look to it so I don't know if like wires got crossed somewhere along the lines or somebody was just trying to pretend it was the wig <laughs> it's, Weird. it's very strange I, I wish I could answer more about it the last thing I want to say about the look because I just think this is gross and worth mentioning so Julie Pleck who was Wes's assistant she said the Weinsteins were apparently having a fit that Drew didn't look sexy enough in the dailies. <laughs> oh, God. I know. And they were causing a lot of trouble when that scene was being filmed. They were complaining about everything. Really bad. Like, you should read that book. It all began with a scream because it really gets into how much shit they were giving Wes. Like, just ridiculous. They didn't like anything. And then, you know, they put a bunch of stuff together and showed it to them. They're like, oh, we're wrong. It's wonderful. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But Drew was really happy with her look. So screw you guys (laughs) (laughs) if she got her vision for her character and was able to do this incredible performance like you guys were wrong (laughs) yeah just butt out (laughs) all right so let's get into the filming so I know the exact dates that Drew filmed. She filmed from Monday, April 15th to Friday, April 19th, 1996. Um, she often exaggerates how many days she did it. Like sometimes she says seven, 10, whatever. A okay. more recent one I found, she actually said exactly what it was. I was like, good job, Drew. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's kind of crazy though, because the movie came out eight months later. 
which is such a fast turnaround for a movie that wasn't on, you know, a really strict, like, we got to get this out right away. Mm-hmm. It just blows my mind because usually, you know, there's like at least a year in between filming and a release. So a lot of people think that it filmed in 95, but it filmed in 96. Amazing. So Drew had said that she had never done a film that followed the script as perfectly from A to Z. And they actually shot most of her scene in sequence, which is kind of unusual, but okay. it, it makes sense for this movie, I think. Yeah. Because it is really just one scene, right? Like it just moves around a bit, but it's all in one area and everything. Yeah, totally. The location was a house on a vineyard in Glen Ellen, California, which is in the Santa Rosa area. The production designer, Bruce Miller, said, there are beautiful French doors all around. So even when you were inside, you were outside. There were no curtains on the windows because you're right in the middle of their vineyard with beautiful trees all around it. And he said, when Drew walked into the front door, she said, this is perfect. I could definitely be a teenager flirting with some guy on the phone, thinking he's nowhere in sight. And here he is watching from the outside. Uh, Yeah. And I... I'm obsessed with this house. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty easy to find the exact address now. But back before that, I spent so much time and I finally found it like just with the Google Maps. <laughs> but like, wow. I, yeah. You knew I, the area it was in. I knew the, I, I might have even known the street name. So it was just a matter of like looking at aerial views and finding a match, which it's like a lot of vegetation and trees and stuff it's not like a bunch of houses side by side so I don't I don't remember how I finally did it and then it like came out not long after that like it was suddenly everywhere and I was like oh man (laughs) but uh, (laughs) it went up for sale a couple years ago so there's a lot of really great pictures of it available to see and it looks identical like I mentioned before I have this friend Corey who has basically the best collection of screen used items from this movie okay And when they put the house up for sale, he contacted the owners who were the same owners from when the movie filmed. And he has, (laughs) I don't even know what he spent for this. He has a bunch of the books that were on the shelves in the living room. He has the rooster from the kitchen counter. He has the actual stovetop range cover that the Jiffy Pop gets cooked on. And he has the swing from outside. what it's incredible yeah and I'm assuming that these things that they chose to purchase were things that are visible in the movie oh yeah very very visible (laughs) it's crazy I mean he might even have more than that those are like the things I remember off the top of my head but basically like when they're moving they're like sure you can have all this stuff and then speaking of the Jiffy Pop Kevin said that he had her character making popcorn as a tribute to the character of Annie and Halloween. She's like okay. one of the friends who I guess is making popcorn in one scene. Um, and then Wes, I always love this. He said it's like kind of a symbol that serves like as a clock or a timer as it expands during the scene. Like, oh, totally. Yeah. Like the tension is building and it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. So Drew really needed the voice on the phone to be legit rather than like, typically you would just have like a line reader on the side of the camera reading the lines. Right. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I could see how that wouldn't nearly get her to the place she needed to. So they hired this gentleman, Roger Jackson, and he was really just there to do it with her to be on set. Right. 
Like they weren't necessarily going to use his voice in the final okay. cut of the movie. Um, they never met each other. So I don't know if that was Wes's idea or Drew's, but like to keep it still scary and like a mystery mm-hmm. rather than like being mm-hmm. familiar. And um, there was a point where his voice was replaced in like, um, I have production materials where they changed the credit to some other voice actor. Mm. I know, but luckily they changed it back because his voice is so perfect for this part. That's yeah. really interesting. Um, I'm curious just because the editing process was so short, like, yeah. did they even they probably rec- did the ADR like record I guess it wouldn't be ADR if you don't have him his mouth moving but if they like <laughs> recorded the other voice and then we're like let's try it and then yeah. did some tests and then like went back and like realized what? it wasn't as good and they had the time to do that somehow in the like six months of editing like, wild what? right totally nuts so Roger said that the first night he was outside a window like watching Drew which oh. is just like it's so smart to do it this way and then after that, they put him like in a room by himself with the camera feed. So he could always okay. watch her, which is important because she is being watched. Right. Mm-hmm. So they mic'd him for sound so that they could record it. But he was also literally talking on a cell phone connected to the phone line. So she was <laughs> truly hearing him through the phone, which is great. And it, what's, it's also kind of like a trip to think in 1996, a cell phone would have been pretty unusual. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's even awesome. a part in the movie where um, Skeet Orge's character gets questioned by the policeman and he says, what are you doing with the cellular telephone? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> cellular. Love that. I love that always that. gets a laugh in like with current audiences, even yeah. though it's not supposed to be funny. <laughs> Please report how Mila does when they say cellular phone. Okay. I, I'll take a note. <laughs> cellular telephone. <laughs> So as I had mentioned, Drew formed a really strong and trusting relationship with Wes. Like it was really important to her that she could like trust him to get to that state that she needed to get to because mm-hmm. um, she always wanted to be truly crying, truly upset. Like she did not want to be faking anything with this. So yeah. she had shared this. I don't want to tell the details of it because it is upsetting, but she shared this animal cruelty story with him that she had heard like right before they started and so if she felt like she was like dry or had nothing left he would bring that up to help her get to that state again wow and she like frequently credits him in every interview saying like she could not have done this without him so I just love that they had he's just seemed like the sweetest man and like I definitely got like emotional the other day just like oh like because he passed away but I love that they had that relationship um, totally. And this is a really cool quote that I read from him. It's just such a it's such a beautiful thing. So he said, with Drew, it's like a great racer. You know that she could go into the wall or she could just show you a line through the curves of life that nobody has ever been able to define. Aww. Beautiful. That's so sweet. Where was he quoted in saying that? Weirdly enough, that's from um, us. 1997. Oh, cool. Yeah. I just like, I don't remember it. Like for some reason it wasn't something I like, I knew I had to go find that quote, you know, but when I came across it, I was like, oh, I love that. That's really great. (laughs) Yeah. So again, like she really wanted to be worked up. So she would like always be jumping up and down and running around to get herself like in a hyperventilated state. I remember those clips were those clips from... (laughs) A, diff- a specific special was it from that scream one um there is a 
like a little behind the scenes thing that just a segment on her scene that came out. I remember downloading it in 1999 from the internet. It probably took three hours to download. Oh my God, yeah. I don't know if it was like on the end of the VHS tape or what, because this was pre-DVD, but all the releases have it. It's it's a great one. Okay, okay, cool. I'll include the link in our show. But yeah, so she like worked it up all the time and she said that you can play this scene two ways. You can either be like tough and kick and shove the bad guy and fly down the stairs. But she said, no way. If it was me, I'd be shitting, vomiting, puking, peeing, crying in a corner. I wanted to play the character that way. Just <laughs> <laughs> like, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but she, you know, she found it very challenging to act terrified for hours on end and make it look real in every take. And her quote was, it's draining to the psyche, which can imagine. Can't even imagine. Yeah. So of course, you know, this is also probably like the most commonly said things she said about this movie <laughs> that she would always say that she didn't have PMS for months afterward because she like <laughs> cleansed the demons out of her system. <laughs> it's kind of a druism there. It kind of is. <laughs> um, and after filming each night, she would sit on a dock and drink beers and then climb into a friend's mom's bed because she felt it was the safest place she could go. So I was wondering Aww. if it was Nancy because number one, we know Nancy was like working on things with the movie. And number two, I know she has family in the Bay area. Cause like by a weird coincidence, I went to college with one of her cousins to me so that like, it's, it's like that it might be Nan's mom's bed or yeah, like, that's okay. what I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Could be wrong, but it would make sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just sort of puts, you know, puts it in perspective like what she was going through to film the scene and it paid off <laughs> so the ghost face mask in these early scenes they hadn't gotten the rights yet to the true mask they ended up using and fa had found on location so k and b created like a slightly different like just different enough to not get sued <laughs> mask and they only used it in a few of the very first film scenes including drew's but then they they never really liked how that one looked. So they went back later and redid some of the shots with the true mask oh. in her scene. So, and it's funny because like I never noticed that for the longest time. I'm not a mask person. There are people who are really obsessed with the, all of the minute details of these masks. Once you know, it's very obvious. But when you don't know, it's not. It's kind of weird. So like when the window breaks when it's the scene and you can see Drew, it's the fake mask. But when they're only showing <laughs> like just Ghostface, it's the different mask. It's kind of funny. And there's this shot that they titled, the scene was titled Up at Ghost. And it's like when she's on the ground and the camera's looking up at him. And like, even when mm -hmm. her, her hand goes up and pulls the mask off, that's not her hand. Like that was filmed two months later. Um, actually, weirdly, it was filmed at, Stu's house <laughs> I was like oh funny yeah they're just like okay let's let's quickly do this part I guess so it's it's a funny thing to watch for how the mask switches back and forth once you are aware <laughs> I feel like at some point I was aware of that and I don't know I don't think it was something I noticed I think it was something I was told but that yeah. sounds familiar I it think it's just weird how it's obvious and not obvious at the same time <laughs> that's super interesting though yeah and then for the final climatic hanging scene um you know obviously they have the dummy 
but then they also put drew in place for just like these quick, I mean, it's literally like you have to pause it. It's such a split yep. second. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she stood in place and like put her head to the side and they show there's behind the scenes footage of um, them showing her a Polaroid of the hanging dummy to reference. And I have a Polaroid of the dummy hanging. I like to think it's the same one. It would make <laughs> sense, <laughs> but it's pretty cool just to have something that had like come straight from the set. I love that. Totally. That, I, I also think... got that from Candy. Oh, that's so cool. I'm sure we've watched Scream together, but I think I remember you being like, no, no, you have to watch. Like it actually is her for like a split second. I mean, beyond a split second, like you can't see it with the naked eye at all. It's it's interesting that they even bothered. I don't really know. I mean, originally that segment where it zooms in is was shot like very normally, but then because of the um, rating, they were having a lot of trouble with the MPAA um, oh. to get from an NC-17 to an R. They basically just had to speed that part up. So it's like they took a bunch of frames out. So it's oh, kind of interesting. Oh, interesting. I wonder how much longer the part was of her face. I know that the but laser obviously- disc has the like uncut version, but... Who's got a oh, laser disc player? <laughs> <laughs> do you have the laser disc? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think I okay. might even have the UK version too. But oh, cool. you know, it's not like I can play them. <laughs> Lastly, I just want to give a shout out to the score. So it's done by Marco Beltrami. And this was his first ever film score, which is wild because it's so good. And there's just like so many music cues that go perfectly with their specific moments in the scene. Um, It's completely silent. There's no score at all up until the moment where they're on the phone and he says, I want to know who I'm looking at. And that's Uh when the score starts, which is kind of cool because it's like everything's like relaxed until that moment. And that's the moment where everything turns and gets like what's happening here right nice good first gig I know can you imagine and he's like he might even have an Oscar at this point he's done a ton of stuff since then and like done really really well and been very successful but I mean obviously I'm biased because I love the movie so much but I just love the score and I can listen to the score and like line it up perfectly in my mind you know what I mean with the shots so I think that's a sign of a good score And the the entire length of the scene is just a few seconds short of 13 minutes. And that's it. And that's that she's gone. Bye, Drew. We miss you. (laughs) (laughs) Literally dead. (laughs) But man, what an impact in those 13 minutes. I mean, and a lot of people have said this, but it, it almost could stand alone as like a short film, like on its own. So this movie came out. Uh, when you and I were both teenagers. So I thought it'd be fun to get our uh, resident preteen, basically in a few weeks, teenager. Let's have the minute with Mila. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Mila. Hi. So I heard that you watched the trailer for this movie, right? Yeah, like two so minutes what ago. It... Okay, so what did you think? <laughs> You'd seen it before. Yeah, um, it was good. I really liked it. It was, I mean, I didn't really get to see a lot, so it, it's kind of quick. But from what I saw, it was good. Are you interested in seeing the movie? Um, yeah, not right now though, because I don't really like horror movies. So. Except, 
Except for I Know What You Did Last Summer. That's my favorite movie. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's your favorite movie? Yeah. But- well, she's seen it once, but okay. she really liked it. So I told her she, if she likes that, Scream is the better version of that. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Um, I think I saw it probably around your age, Mila, when I saw it first. And I'm not a huge fan of horror movies, but I really enjoyed it. So I think that you'll really like it. When do you think you want to watch it? um maybe like when I'm 14 <laughs> okay so you want to wait you feel like it'll be too scary yeah and who do you think the killer is I don't know I haven't seen enough to know that okay what do you based on what you saw what could you say about the movie that it's like good <laughs> I don't, I don't if somebody know. said what is scream about what would you say there's like these teenagers and they all get like phone calls and um there's like a killer going around and they don't know who it is and they like stick together kind of I guess okay yeah I think that's pretty accurate what do you like about um I, I know what you did last summer uh everything I just I love that movie it's just really good <laughs> do you like it because it's like sort of young people um, dealing with like scary situations or I kind of like well yeah but like I kind of like it because it's a mystery kind of like scream so okay it's like you don't know who it is at first and then you find out that it well I'm not going to spoil it for people who haven't seen it but then you find <laughs> out that it's that person and it's like oh wow so you like the kind of mystery like the part of the story where you're where you're starting to get hints about who yeah is the killer okay I think you'll really like Scream thanks I hope I will too (laughs) thanks again for joining us okay yeah no problem thanks Nila bye (laughs) bye all right so let's move on to the promotion of the film and then everything beyond that up until pretty much current day all right (laughs) yeah Um, okay so a few months later after they filmed the movie I'm gonna clock this as probably like September October uh the cast did a promo shoot that was shot by Michael O'Neill myself and other screen fans we just love this photo shoot yeah it is kind of funny like you can tell time has gone by like a lot of the the actors look different from how they do in the movie which you know is a thing that kind of happened a lot back then but uh the photos are so cool well immediately I'm thinking of like mad love love, yeah looks nothing like (laughs) right Casey in the film the other Casey (laughs) yeah I mean never been kissed is kind of like that too I feel like that's true not not quite as egregious though but still but still but with this one Drew just put the wig back on and looks totally the same yeah (laughs) Yeah. Um, so she revealed on her show earlier this year. So she had Nev, Courtney, and David on to talk about the Scream 2022 movie release. Mm-hmm. And she told the story that when they were doing this photo shoot, she had confided in Courtney that she thought she might be pregnant. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So she said, we're supposed to shoot this poster, but oh my God, I just started dating somebody, which would have been Luke. And how do you know? And she said she felt safe going to Courtney because she was like the mature, safe person in the room. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Imagine if she had had Luke's baby in 1996. Oh no, she'd have in 97, but whoa. Totally trip. different. Yeah. Trip. 
but I love that like because you know Courtney was definitely the oldest of the group and yeah I could see that that made sense to like talk to her about it <laughs> it's <a> fun story <laughs> oh my gosh. yeah did Courtney remember that yeah it seemed like okay. it yeah okay I mean I guess it's pretty memorable like, <laughs> coming up to you like I think I doesn't happen every day <laughs> yeah so her face was you know the main focal point of the poster uh she didn't know that they were going to use her face they just like all went into the shoot And she liked how it turned out because she liked that it was like very graphic and that it's really about the expression and the feeling. So it could almost be Mm -hmm. anyone's face. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people still to this day either don't know or like I've truly gotten in online arguments with people who don't believe it's her. (laughs) It's just so funny. What I know. Uh, like you're like um here's the picture it's taken from literally so I did show that at one point and then I don't know who but somebody made this really cool like step by step showing how it went from that picture to the poster um great graphic so I'll share that but once you see that it's undeniable (laughs) that's so funny so tell me if you remember this she wears a ring in these promo shoot photos. It's big and orange. She called it bulbous. And we like yes. always made a joke about that. Well, <laughs> yes. Didn't she call it bulbous though in the clip of the interview that you had that was not aired? Yes. So I have footage from E. That's like the raw footage during the press junket of the interview they did with her. Uh, they like asked her, I think they had some special coming up about jewelry. So they asked her and she's like, oh, uh, I'm not a big jewelry person. Like I don't care about diamonds and rubies and stuff. But she's like, uh, I got this ring on. And she said it was a friendship ring with one of her girlfriends, which I totally had forgotten about. It's just fun because you so can funny. see it in the photos. And then, you know, it was her personal ring, which I love. I totally remember the ring. Um, it's very her style at that time. But so, yes, I do remember. Yeah. I know we loved that for some reason. It's a good Druism bulbous yes. ring. <laughs> yeah. Just the word bulbous feels very yeah, real. I don't know. She's not bulbous, but the word bulbous is like, you know, she loves dictionaries. I feel like yeah. she like read yeah. that and was like, yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, she's doing a bunch. She did a bunch of press junkets in early December. She appeared at Planet Hollywood, I believe in New York with Wes. And then a lot of the cast members, um, mm-hmm. you remember these photos. So you can see Nev and Courtney in most yep. of them. But weirdly enough, so Skeet, you can see in one photo. So I don't know why they like cut this out. So you only see like some people. What? Um, and then there's footage. You know, I love Matthew Lillard. There's footage where you can see even he is there. It's like this very brief, grainy footage. And it, I mean, it's only because he's so recognizable with his like stature and stuff. Yep. <laughs> but yep. like never seen a photo that shows that he's there. So it's almost like they like put the guys to the side and they're like, no, we're not going to show you guys here. <laughs> kind of weird. But they were presenting like a, a ghost face costume. And then yeah. she also in January 97, she on her own went to a Planet Hollywood in Chicago and presented another one. Okay. And then she, of course, went on her like usual talk shows, uh, Rosie O'Donnell and David Letterman. And then also, I just remembered uh, Oprah. Remember like that great Oprah Oprah. with the blonde hair? Yes. Where she only had that blonde hair for like one day. (laughs) Yeah. And that Oprah was from what month? From January? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's the same day as the Chicago Planet Hollywood. She's wearing the same outfit and everything. Yeah. That's right. So she was really promoting the movie as if, you know, she was a major part of it. And nobody, Mm -hmm. it's not like anybody was spoiling it back then, which is so cool. Like, you know, that was a time where pre-internet, basically, like nobody was talking about 
you know, here's what happens in this movie. <laughs> you know what? I That kind of made me realize, like, this wouldn't be done now. Oh, yeah. You would never. I mean, because I've, like, followed the production of all the sequels, like, people can just go, oh, this character is only shown wearing this outfit. They must die in this scene, right? Like, you can just break things yeah. down now in ways that we yeah. didn't do back then, which is kind of yep. sad, but. The movie was released December 20th, 1996, and Drew missed the L.A. premiere. And I think it may have been because she was in Texas filming Home Fries. Oh, okay. Because, like, she did all this other press stuff, and then, like, the premiere was a couple weeks later. So I'm guessing she was, like, doing a back-and-forth thing. That's just a guess because it really doesn't make sense otherwise because she did attend the London premiere with Courtney in April 97. So that's right. That's right. Is the London premiere where she has that like zigzaggy? Yeah. Okay. Little baby things. Yes. <laughs> the box office success was a slow build. So it was like very unusual how every week it like started doing more and more okay. and more. I mean, it was such a big deal that movie coming out. Like it was, you know, as someone who was very into pop culture as a teenager, like it yeah. was everywhere. It even re-released in April 97, which is when I finally saw it. So okay. we can kind of get into this next part. Okay. So um, we got a question from Cesar Robles, 497, on Instagram asking, when did you see Scream for the first time and why? So I'll go ahead and let you start since you, want I me to go you first? definitely saw it first. Yeah, I want to know. So? Yeah. Okay. So... I was about to turn 15. So I was very much in the demographic of this like target audience, you know, and like I watched MTV constantly at this time. I feel like it was definitely promoted on MTV quite a bit. Okay. I remember like fully remember seeing the commercials on TV and the very first glimpse we get of Ghostface where he like runs through a hallway in Casey's house. I was like, freaked out by <laughs> like, like it creeped you, me out you did not want to see it no I did yeah. not want to see it wasn't gonna see it I'm not a horror fan like it's yep. funny that this is my favorite movie and then but my friend Jen her family would like go see every movie that came out like they did it every weekend okay and so she'd gone and seen it and then we had a sleepover at a friend's house that night and she was like super freaked out from the movie and she couldn't oh. fall asleep and so I was like, well, I'm not going to see it. So just tell me everything that happens and maybe you'll feel better. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So that happened. And then, you know, months later when they re-released it, my friend Clarice and I were like, okay, we need to just go see it. Like, you know, we're like the only teenagers in America who haven't <laughs> seen this movie. <laughs> so we went and I, it's crazy, like how clear of a memory I have of this. It really made an impact I remember like sitting I remember what shoes I was wearing because I had my feet like up on the chair in front of me and my legs were shaking during the opening scene it was I was so freaked out and I knew because Jen had spoiled everything right I what happens through fate <laughs> but and I I'm, it's crazy how clear I remember this like when she got stabbed and I remember how it like looks in my memory like it's kind of different than how it looked in reality you know yeah And I remember just being like, no, like, I don't, this can't be happening. (laughs) Like, Even knowing. Even though you knew. I still couldn't believe it was happening, which really tells you like what an impact that must have been for people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I was really freaked out by the movie. I still wasn't like into it. (laughs) 
And, but then when I became a Drew fan the next year, because like, that's a cool thing. We both saw this before we were Drew fans, right? Yeah. Like, that yep. wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with us seeing the movie. Then I became a Drew fan. And then I just had the idea because when I was a senior in high school, so I was a senior in 1998, 99, which is, I'm very old, <laughs> um, but at Halloween time in 98, somebody in my class threw a huge party and was like mandatory costumes. So I was like, you know, really into Drew. This was like the mm-hmm. height of my like getting into Drew. And uh-huh. I remember I didn't have a boyfriend, but I remember telling some of my friends like, oh, it would be such a funny couple's costume to do Drew Barrymore and Scream. And <laughs> Ghostface wasn't even a term back then. So you yeah, know, the killer from Scream. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, I could still be that. That could still be my costume. So totally. literally the night before I like made my mom take me to Blockbuster and I made her take me to Party City to get the wig. And she had a sweater that was close enough and we had this old white cordless phone that we didn't use anymore. And I remember <laughs> my dad being like, she can take it. And my mom being like mad that I got to take it. <laughs> and I got so much attention that night because it's funny. Like now I see hundreds of people wearing that as a costume. Like it's so yeah. done all the time, but I, I was like, this is only the second Halloween that had happened since the movie came out, you know? And I thought yeah. I like, it was just my idea. Like, I didn't know. So I got a lot of attention. People really loved that costume. And it's funny. I look at it now. I'm like, oh, I would have done this so much better now. <laughs> so inaccurate. But for being a 17 year old, or actually I was 16 for being a 16 year old right before the night before, like I did all right. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I vividly remember the pictures of you wearing the costume because they were probably some of the earliest pictures I saw of you. Probably. And there's still, if you Google like Casey Becker costume, it's still like the first thing that comes up, which is no, crazy. that's so strange. I yeah. I don't know why, <laughs> but that's uh, so strange. and then it just like, because I think because I had like been dressed up like her, like I started really getting into the movie. I remember staying home f- sick from school one day and I was like bored. And I was like, I'm going to write down the entire script of the beginning of the movie. And like, so I would like play it and pause it and write down the lines. So like, I know the oh entire gosh. scene by heart. <laughs> and then it just like obsessed forever from then on. I did not know that. Oh my God. I know. What a, what a cool girl I was, huh? <laughs> yes. Actually, yes. Yeah. All right. What about you? Because I don't think I know this. Yeah, so I don't really have a lot to say. I, what I do remember is that, so I would have been 12 when it came out. Which is crazy. Wait, um, yeah, 12. Yes. Yeah, I would, have been, I would have just turned 12. Just barely. Yeah. Oh my God, that's why. I'm thinking I didn't see it for a couple of years because my guess is I saw it at maybe age 14. Okay. Um, and I would have watched it with my friend Jen, who I'm still friends with. We I both have watching... Jens who are vital right. to the beginning of our... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so my friend Jen rented the movie she used to rent movies every once in a while I didn't really have much interest in it okay so let's see I maybe was 13 because I think I don't I was not a Drew fan yet okay so now I'm actually trying to put this in because if I was I wouldn't have been 14 until late 98 oh yeah and that's when I was already a fan so I might have seen it maybe I saw it late 97 so let's say like well it came out on video we'll talk about that but June 97 so maybe it was right around okay Okay, yeah. So probably summer or fall of 1997. So my friend Jen rented it. I was like, I'm not really a fan of horror movies, but sure, I'll watch this. And I didn't, I, before I was a fan of Drew, I, I didn't like know actors' names. Like, 
I liked movies, but I had like a few movies I'd watch when I was a kid over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. And none of them were Drew, Drew films. Like I had seen E.T. I'd seen some of her films, but at this point I was still kind of like, eh, whatever about kind of like actors. <laughs> yeah. And what I remember, it, it's kind of like, I'm kind of frustrated with myself, but it feels very teenage girl. I remember like making fun of her forehead. What? Which I don't ever think of Drew's forehead as being anything unusual. You can't even and in see fact, her forehead. I have no idea. <laughs> but for some reason, what I remember is saying, maybe it was like her chin or her forehead, but like I made some comments like about her face and was like making fun of her. Oh my God. Which I almost feel embarrassed p- putting this on here, but it's like, why was my instinct to like say something negative about her because maybe because you were scared and you were trying to like deflect (laughs) maybe because I don't really remember much I remember watching it kind of making fun of her I feel like I made a comment about her appearance which is very shameful and then it doesn't make any sense to my to me now and then that's all you really remember I watched it again years later and I love the movie I don't really remember having much of a feeling about it at the time yeah and you might be right that I was like trying to like you know be funny because I was having a hard time watching it or something yeah I mean it's Um, intense but yeah honestly I was kind of an asshole and (laughs) uh, I don't don't remember really much else sadly um like I said I like like I like the movie now it's not like something I have watched a huge number of times so I've probably seen Drew seen many many times yeah that would make sense Anyway, I think it's worthwhile to kind of hop forward and talk about one experience that we had Together. at the Arclight. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to talk about that well, a little bit. Now that you say that, I'm thinking this was probably the first time you saw it in theaters, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So this would have been, ooh, I'm going to say 2002. Because okay, I definitely. So maybe right after I graduated. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. I'm based on like. Because I remember I was at the Arclight and I saw that it was coming. So it just said like scream, I think like Q&A or something like that. And I was like, okay. oh my God, have to go to this. So it was with Kevin Williamson and it was this great like program they were doing. I think it was called like Meet the Writers or something along those lines. That sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. So every week they would have a different writer and then the movie that, and they do a Q&A. So we did get to see it in the theaters, which was that was the second time I saw it in theaters and, uh, and then Kevin was there and answered questions and gosh, it was so long ago. I wish I could remember it better. What do you remember? I don't remember very much at all, sadly, but I just know that we went to this event and of course we were Drew fans at this time. So we went kind of like anticipating him discussing the scene with Drew and I don't remember us learning anything new from (laughs) that. In fact, the only things I remember or number one that like, cause he rewatched it that night. I believe he like watched it in the theater with okay. everybody. So he was like, wow, I really talked about Sharon Stone a lot. There's <laughs> like three mentions <laughs> of Sharon Stone. And then I also remember that he gave big props and credit to Matthew Lillard for the character of Stu, where he was kind of oh, like, yeah, on the page, oh. he was whatever, but like he brought so much to that role. And like, I could made see that. Yeah. I could see that. Cause just like, feels like Matthew Lillard like an evil version of Matthew Lillard (laughs) yeah well you know what's so funny I didn't make a note of this because we weren't really discussing the whole movie but I just sent this to Katie in my research I would love to know if this is true but um Kevin Williamson said that his brother had suggested him by saying like oh the guy who plays one of the friends that knows Drew Barrymore in Mad Love would be a good (gasps) stew I know that's how they 
I don't know if that's true. Like, and I also, where'd you hear that? Like, um, it was in an article that I read. Kevin said that, and it wasn't like he reached out to them. It was just like his brother had said like, that would be a good person. And then it ended up happening. I don't know if it's true. Like it's almost too cool to be true, (laughs) but it is funny that they work together in these two movies, like in back to back years. But like no interaction in either one. Like even in Mad Love, they're on screen at the same time, but they don't interact with each other. Like when she comes and talks at the window of the classroom and stuff. Yes. And I would just, I would love to like hear them talk about each other or see them. You know, I just love them both so much. It's just one day. Maybe when we do our Mad Love episode, we could ask him for an interview. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Before we move on, do you want to talk at all about meeting Matthew Lillard at that event that your mom worked? Yeah, actually, I met David Arquette the same day, and that was also in 98. So, you know, that did have a little something to do with it, too, because I met both of them. And like, that was sort of right before I was really getting into the movie. So that definitely had I forgot that played a part in it, too, in getting like So just just to clarify, because I didn't make it clear. So Ashley went to I don't exactly know what the event was. So the funny thing is, it was a convention, but not like we think of now where like, celebrities show up and do photo ops and blah blah blah. like that that wasn't a thing back then or if it was it was more like (laughs) z-list celebrities right yeah yeah Um, no so this was like an industry convention for the home video industry and they would send like certain studios would send actors with movies that they were putting out on video to like okay you meet and greets and but it was this was like industry people you know you had to have like a badge but my mom worked in conventions. So she got, um, again, Jen, <laughs> she got Jen and I, uh, passes to like, come, even though we weren't technically like supposed to be there. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, we met both of them and, uh, they were both so cool and so sweet. And like, I was completely in love with Matthew Lillard from that moment till now. <laughs> like he was so fun and so full of energy. But based on like his, your interaction, right? Oh yeah. That's what started it. Like I didn't all pay right. attention to him at all and scream. Like <laughs> he meant nothing to me. I probably like had no interest in him, but I, but I met him and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is on. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she likes tall, skinny guys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That was also the same year that I made that. Like, I remember walking through the hallway at school and going, wait a minute. And thinking of all the guys that I had crushes on that were tall and skinny and being like, I guess this is my type now. (laughs) Very vital moment in my life. (laughs) All right. Should we, should we get back to screen? Let's do it. (laughs) All right. We have a comment from downtown Dan who says, first horror movie I ever saw, Casey scene. Didn't know to run and hide or get popcorn. Which I think they're basically saying, should I be terrified or should I like love this? Which is totally what it feels like. Should I be terrified or entertained? The answer is both. And I love that he he or she mentions popcorn because uh, I just wanted to mention like one of the cool promotional items were Jiffy Pop with, uh, you know, promotional artwork on the little label so Mm -hmm. there is a theatrical release version that's literally matched the poster and drew had one and you remember it was on our bulletin board at flower films i'm blanking on it okay um you can see it really well in ruby wax so she like had it hanging on you know her big bulletin board that was in marie claire yeah and then i have one and I might know of one other person, but that's it. It's really rare. And a lot of people want it. Well, I think I have it. I think I might have it. 
I don't think you have that one. You probably have the VHS one. Oh, okay. Okay. So hold yeah. on. I want to see a picture of the one that you have. It's on, I put it on the episode page. Okay. So that one is rare. Yes. Isn't so then the they did the same picture. The other one is like, it looks like the cast. It's like, it has Drew's face, but then the cast is on it as well. That And it matches like the VHS tape. And then there's like a third version that was just like a promo item, probably industry promo. It was before the release of the VHS and it says $90 million on it because I guess that's how much money. Um, When did you get that? I don't remember. Oh, you know, I might've gotten that one from Anita actually. I think I did. I think one of the three that's on our website is mine. You think you have the regular VHS one. Yeah. That one's probably. So that would make sense. Probably. It's just a fun item. It's so like genius to tie that in. <laughs> yeah. How great. Like <laughs> E.T. with Reese's Pieces. Yeah, Jiffy exactly. Pop with Scream. Like yeah. it's great. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned before, the VHS was released in June 97. Um, there's that regular cast version. And then there are three special versions that are blue. One's yep. Drew, one's Nev, and one's Courtney. I remember being at Target when I finally was like I need to buy this movie because I kept renting it for Blockbuster (laughs) (laughs) and I was like they had all of those there and I remember being like which one should I get and I bought the stupid dumb common cast one (laughs) which I don't know why maybe because I had two pictures of Drew but later on I obviously got the Drew one but yes they're those are also like pretty in demand they're not impossible to find but people want those because they're really fun they're like very very different they're really neat yeah. And then I had forgotten about this, but when I was like going through some old messages, uh, scream related messages, just to find any tidbits, um, somebody had reminded me that there's a, there was like a little certificate in the VHS for Jane magazine for a free issue. Oh, and it had Drew's cover. Like those Jane. little things that used to be inside magazines yes. that would fall out every time you opened it. <laughs> yeah. Those damn little cardboard. <laughs> Which I have a ton of them. That like every time Drew picture. was on one of those little yeah. things. I've <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have this one. Like I, I know I do. Maybe I probably not. cut her picture out of it though, <laughs> but that's pretty fun that I they did. It, but that yeah. is, I love that they know that that was inside the yeah. release. Like Isn't that's that really funny. I always um, loved when I, when I got a Drew magazine and then a Drew like, <laughs> thing flew out yeah. like do, do kids know it about, kids don't know about these probably kids, not do, do kids, kids look at magazines no I don't think so before. I don't think they do and I don't think they have these little inserts that fly out that's so that's such a good way of putting it they used to just <laughs> fall and like go soaring through the sky they would like fling on the floor yeah. they would, like soar <laughs> fling on the floor and then like fly back up it was almost like <laughs> Such you know, a American, visceral memory. God, an American Beauty when the like plastic bag is <laughs> flying through the air. It's, it was almost like cinematic like that every time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it does feel that way. Oh my God, anyway. it's so good. Okay. All right. So <laughs> I'm like I said, we're not going to like go deep into this. I just want to talk about Drew's reaction to Scream 2. Mm-hmm. So Heather Graham films the like movie within a movie um of drew's character so she plays casey becker like in the in universe the actress that plays casey becker in the movie within a movie stab which hope that makes sense (laughs) it's kind of confusing to explain that's in the opening they're like going to the movie theater to watch the movie version of what happened in the first movie yes (laughs) meta movie movie meta (laughs) so um drew saw it she loved it 
um, she felt like she was a part of that family. So she did miss them when they were shooting it. Like she was a little sad about it, but she's happy because she said she got to do what she wanted to do with it. So she wouldn't have gone back and changed it. She was like, oh, because it was a lot of the same crew. Um, I can imagine like that she would have had a little sadness to not be there for that. Yeah. I love this quote from Wes in 2001 just to kind of show like how they really did have that special connection. He said, it wasn't like she just walked away. She stays in touch. She sends flowers on my birthday. She stays with you. She doesn't just do it and move on. Drew keeps a large portion of her heart in it. And that's a dangerous thing to do. Probably one of the most reckless things she does is that she shows her heart. I know. I love that so much. (laughs) I just, there's something just really cool about how they, like forged that connection that made her get to the place that she did. Cause I meant to mention this before, but I think this is one of her hands down best performances of her entire career. How it's do you pretty. Um, yeah. It's, it's intense. She hasn't done a lot of movies where she has the chance to do something that intense. Yes. correct. So I think it's really testing something that we have never, be- had never before and have, haven't since seen her do to get to that um, like level. Yeah, just to, yeah, because you really, like, it's believable that she's terrified, to say yeah. the least. Yeah, it's not even that it's just intense. It's that you, like, totally buy that she is feeling what she's feeling. Like, there's yep. no part of it. And that was so important to her, which I love that it was a great success. Like, she didn't want it to feel fake. Like, she wanted yep. it to feel like this girl is actually terrorized right now. Yep. And yep. I, I just don't think that she's come close to that level of like really 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 believability to this extent many times since like gray gardens obviously i was going to say if i'm going to think of like another movie that's kind of got the um there's a oh like a method kind of actor sort of vibe to it i would say gray gardens i literally was thinking that before you said that like yeah yeah, like that performance is like you barely believe that it's her right exactly like like yeah, you're, to- so, you're all in. <laughs> yep. Yep. In recent years, she's done a lot of bits on the Drew Barrymore show relating to Scream, like mm-hmm. even just tiny little things where she like gets a phone call or, or like <laughs> they did that whole skit where it was like present day Casey Becker walking down the street, getting a call. <laughs> so I love that. She's like definitely always spoken so fondly of it, but it seems like more in recent years, she's really embraced it. So in the fifth movie, which was released this year, and they also called it Scream, which annoys the heck out of me, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, We can call it Scream 5. We can call it Scream 2022, whatever. Um, She has a voice cameo. Uh, She's the voice of the principal that comes over the loudspeaker when some of the kids are like at lunch at school. So I did not notice it when I saw it in theaters, which is so embarrassing. (laughs) But like her voice sounds a little different. She's definitely not speaking in her normal like cadence. There's also a scene, a very brief moment in the movie where a bunch of people at a party say to Wes, like as a toast. Oh, I know because it's a character named Wes, but they had like a ton of former cast and crew members who all did the voiceover for that. And Drew was one of them, which is really, oh, that's cool. But so like, I have a lot of like, as far as the sequels go, they all have something I like about them, but they all have things I have problems with. Like, I'm just not one of those, like, I'm not as much of a franchise fan 
There's a lot of yeah. people who are, and that's great. I just, the, the first movie is what speaks to me. Yeah. So one issue I have with the latest one is there's a scene where um, a character named Richie, he's sitting in the hospital and he's watching Stab on his phone. And okay. the audio that I noticed immediately when I saw it in theaters is one billion percent Drew in Scream, which like doesn't what? make any sense. I mean, you have to really know to know because it's not like she's talking. It's like that kind of like hyperventilating sound. So I checked it again right before we did this episode. It's one million percent. Like you can hear it. It's identical. They could have pulled audio from Stab, right? The true movie within a movie. Yeah. I am willing to bet that that was purposeful. I know. I don't think it was. I truly think that was like. Maybe it was cleaner audio. Yeah, it's definitely cleaner because in Scream 2, the stab movie is at a movie theater and there's people like yelping and stuff in the background the whole time. So it's definitely cleaner. It definitely would have been like the lazy way to go. That's just me being so annoying and picky about this movie. (laughs) So we have something exciting and new for this episode. We have our first interview guest um, and we're kind of lining up a couple, which is really exciting. Yeah. So um, Ashley was able to secure an interview with Lee Waddell. Yeah, here we go. Enjoy. Okay, Lee Waddell is a veteran stunt performer with over 60 film credits to his name. He notably did stunt work as Ghostface in both Scream 1 and Scream 2. We are so thrilled that he's taking the time to chat with us about Drew's iconic opening scene. Welcome, Lee. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's always great to do podcasts. And thanks for having me in. And I'm super blessed and honored to, to be able to sit here and, and do these. So I, I always like doing the podcast because it's it's a great way to stay connected and, and actually place, you know, people and places and times and stuff like that. So I really enjoy doing these. So thanks again for having me on. Oh, we're so honored. You're our first guest ever, by the way. So it's a really? big deal. Yeah, this is our 10th episode and you're our first guest. So well, I've been the- doubly honored. That is great. <laughs> you're the this guinea so pig. <laughs> Yeah, well, 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 if anybody's going to screw it up, it'll be me. So let's find out what happens. <laughs> okay. So obviously we're here to talk about the opening of Scream. Um, but before we get into that, we saw that you have a credit working on Drew Barrymore's 1992 cult film Poison Ivy. Is that, that true? Is true? That is very true. I uh, I came in there to help out a little bit on some rigging on that. And, um, and one of these days, if I ever do run into her again, I'm going to remind her that... Uh, I dropped her on her face. Oh, and, please uh, tell us this story. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys have seen the film, I assume. Yes. Yep. I think it's that. I think it's the final scene where she jumps out the window, throw whatever, and there's a close up of where her head hits that the driveway, right? Yes. And she's looking at camera. So we went to shoot that that night, and it's like, how we want to do this, and we're like, oh, we can't hide the pad because the director. I mean, it's a it's a close shot, right? You can see the asphalt. And Drew, she's she's pretty game. I mean, she really is. And I'm like, yeah, but we just do this and this. I literally straddled her, right? She's laying face down. I picked her up about right between her legs, literally picked her up by the hips. She held plank and on action, I drop her. Okay. And she just, and she just, there ain't no cheating on that one. She just ate it. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, How many was. times did you have to do that scene? <laughs> Not many. Okay. I okay. Gonna, That's good. She's like, yeah, let's go for it. I'm like, yeah, maybe one. 
<laughs> so you're behind two of her on-screen deaths, yeah, that's really. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the tie-in with her, I guess, is I kill her off and drop her on <laughs> her face or something. So. pretty hilarious. Yeah, I'm going to remind really her of that. Good. I'm sure it's in her repressed memory banks <laughs> of the film, but uh, I will remind her of that one of these days I cross her path. I love that's it. Thanks amazing. for sharing that. That's I've always wondered about because it is like her face really does, you know, like, hit she, <laughs> It really hit it and she really did it. And I'm like, uh, I didn't I didn't like doing that. It, it saw it was a solution that was safe. And okay, we know that it's, you know, there's no way you're gonna fall on your face without, you know, getting a bruise. And she just <laughs> cowboyed up, man, she just did it. I'm like, oof. That sounds like her. <laughs> yeah, she's a very sweet, fun super professional great personality great energy i, I really enjoy working with her oh i love and that so. yeah i love that early insight mm -hmm. yeah okay so um we've read that you came to scream via stunt coordinator tony Cesare. so i don't know how to say his last name well he said uh, i think you're actually right i think a cesare would be the sicilian part of it but okay. by caesar okay um, but uh so, so yes we were we we heard that you came through him who'd worked with west before um, how were you chosen as the stunt person for this particular part? So Tony and I, I mean, we go way back and we've done a bunch of Wes's films. So Tony was Wes Craven's stunt coordinator for 20 years. And so I'd, I'd worked with Wes, I can't even remember what my first show was, but it was like either the original uh, Nightmare or it might've been Shocker, but whatever it was, wow. it was way, way back. And so Tony and I had this great working relationship and we still run each other occasionally and talk occasionally. He was just in Southern California last week. You know, we got together, had a, went had a quick lunch. And so we still, we were still in touch, which was great. And so Tony had this, when, what they call it originally, originally that film was not called Scream. Scary no. movie. Scary <laughs> movie. Yeah. So Tony's like, Hey, we got this film. Why don't you come on up and you know, blah, blah, blah. And, he goes, I'm like, yeah, what are we going to do? He goes, yeah, well, let's do a little this, a little that. He goes, you've worked with Drew before. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so I think the tie-in helped a little bit. Okay. I had a good working relationship with Wes. You know, I did, I don't know how many Wes's shows. I did eight, 10, whatever it was. I don't know. And so Tony was instrumental on bringing me in for that opening sequence. Cool. I love that insight that because maybe because you had that history with her, like never heard that before. And that's what we're all about, like getting these little nuggets that maybe, you know, aren't commonly spread around information. <laughs> it's amazing. Like I, it's my favorite movie of all time. And that scene has been so important. I've basically been obsessed with that scene for 25 years. So it's just well, amazing to talk to someone who was actually there. <laughs> And I appreciate that. It's really, you know, because at that time we had no idea it was going to do this. Here we are 25. Well, it's, this is to the 25th year of Scream 2, right? So 26 yeah. plus years ago, you know, I'm just a working stunt guy. I just want to do a good job, make a paycheck, go off to my next show. And, and that's that life was grand. And I had no idea it was going to do this. If, if, if I had had this idea, man, I would have stocked up on all those masks. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I bet. Because <laughs> you were yeah. in the the sort of fake mask that uh, KNB effects created. So I was in the KNB mask, all right? And the KNB mask superseded the, that was the original mask, yeah. right? And then um, Fun World came into the scene. They weren't on the scene until 96. Yeah. So that KNB mask was the original 
mask. Because you also, tell me if I'm correct, you also did the scene with Henry Winkler, right? Right. Okay. And I don't know if you've ever seen this. There's really cool footage of you that Entertainment Tonight has on the set for that scene. Have you ever seen that? No, I have not. Okay. I Um, will find it and send you a link. They actually show you with the mask off on set, which I thought was really Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real good behind the scenes, sneaky peeky thing of... um, during the opening sequence with Drew, right? Yeah. It was a really good, that's, that's neat. Um, I never saw this stuff with, with Henry Winkler. That's kind of cool. I'm sure you're aware that Drew wanted Roger Jackson, the voice of Ghostface, to be like a mystery to her when you guys were filming. Did she ever feel that same way with you or were you guys just like, you just worked together? If I recall it correctly, she never, and I never really asked her about this or Wes for that matter, but as far as I know, she never saw anybody in full wardrobe, i.e. me, prior to that night. Because that oh. was one of the few times in filmmaking where you get to uh, shoot the film in sequence. Right. So first night of shooting was the first opening scene, right? So that very seldom does that happen in films. It's, you know, you shoot by location, logistics, and all the other thousand one things that go on. And we just happened to be able to shoot in sequence. So as far as I know, and you probably asked Drew this if you ever run into her, if that was the first time that she saw Ghostface in full wardrobe that night. That is very cool. I That well, would make sense, sort of based on how real she wanted everything to feel. That would make sense to me. If you go over, and I don't want to do shameless plugs, but we are. If you go to my <laughs> website, um, the guy who does my website did Wes Craven's website. So I found Wes Craven's original web developer said, hey, I want you to do my website. And in his vault of stuff, he has the original Wes Craven tapes where Wes talks about how he motivated Drew to freak out. So they had a very intimate conversation the night before filming. And she was telling a story about how, and she's a big animal rights lover, right? And everybody loves dogs and cats, myself included. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And she was reading an article and it really struck her very deeply about some guys just abusing dogs by lighting them on fire right? That's horrific. Yeah. And, uh, and Wes, she gave Wes permission to go there with her. So I remember being on set that night and heard Wes going, they're pouring gasoline on the dog and Drew would lose it. But I didn't know the correlation until I heard these tapes. Here we are 25 (laughs) years later. I heard these tapes of Wes saying how that evolved. So I never, I never figured out what that was about. I didn't really think about it until I heard these tapes. It all clicked. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, man, no wonder she lost it because it would just take her to that, that emotional, you know, disarray when she would, he would say that to her. And it was was, because when you look at that opening sequence, she's losing it. Oh, yeah. You know, she's a fine actress and she went there and got raw and got nasty. And I'm like, dang. (laughs) So it it was really neat to to be able to tie that in 25 years later. Love that. That is so awesome. So we know that she needed a really trusting relationship with Roger Jackson, who is the voice of Ghostface. But what can you tell us about how Wes directed the two of you kind of as a duo? So, you know, I'm not a classically trained actor. I blunder through it. I could pull it off, but not, you know, not like Drew, not like a, not like a quote unquote real actor. You know, Wes gave me, when Wes and I and Tony sat down, at the beginning of that evening, I'm like, Wes, tell me about this this ghost face dude. He wasn't even called Ghostface by that at that point. Right, so funny. 
I think we called him the ghoul or, you know, scary dude or whatever. Um, <laughs> I said, what is this guy? Who is he? What is he? How's he acting? You know, give me something to go on. And Wes, me and we were talking, he's like, he, he's, think Phantom. That was a quote. And so I would go back and like, okay, Phantom, Phantom of the Opera, you know, how a Phantom moves and stuff like that. So that was kind of the direction he gave me on it. And then Wes is such, was such a great director as most directors of high caliber, they already have this, the image in their head. They know what they want to see. So he would sit there and we'd block it once or twice. I'm like, all right, let's, you know, you go, let's do one. I'm like, yeah, let's try this. And yell action, get it in one or two takes max. And then if you see, like in the opening sequence, some people realize that some don't, that, you know, he goes from normal life speed and then all of a sudden it goes into slow motion. So it takes me when I'm chasing her, you know, down, I'm ch chasing Casey and getting ready to kill her. It takes that and just agonizes the viewer. Absolutely. It's like watch. It's like watching National Geographic, right? It's yeah. like, oh, that poor is a gazelle. Like you really want the gazelle to run faster, but you know <laughs> it's going to get eaten. And so Wes did that with the viewer by undercranking or overcranking the, the 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 camera and and getting it to go to slow motion. So it just prolonged that whole opening sequence. Oh, I love that. When you if you watch that sequence again, you'll see like when I have the knife above my head, I'm actually going to stab her. Right? You see that like, I'm holding the knife. Really stupid. It's like a natural, but he wanted the knife to look a certain way with the way the light hit it. So he wanted the pause. He wanted it. And he'd sit there and then literally Robert, he's right here next to me. I mean, he's close. He's like, yeah, turn it. And he's looking through the lens and t putting it in position. And so it was very, that part was very technical. He wanted exactly what he wanted. That's how he was come master, up and hit it right? again. <laughs> mm -hmm. So he had all that in his brain, you know, and, and then when you see it all put together, then it makes really, it makes sense. I'm like, you know, I get it. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned my actual next note and question was about, because I'd heard you discuss somewhere else about um, how we wanted to move like a phantom. And as soon as I heard you say that, I was like, that is so what you got across that first brief shot in the house where you like run across the hallway. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing that in the TV commercials, just that, just that brief second and being so freaked out I was like I'm never gonna see this movie like it scared me so much so <laughs> you really got that creepy I mean I think I hope I'm not insulting other stunt people who have portrayed the role but I think that opening scene is the most creepy that Ghostface ever feels the most terrifying I'm that's great I love to hear that you know because that's what I want to portray and um the the ghost face character in my opinion has diluted down to almost too much slapstick yeah he, he's just an idiot at this point <laughs> you know he can't even walk up a flight of stairs without tripping he runs in the doors he's just stupidly <laughs> campy and that after about then that after the third one that whole element of that character was was gone yeah i know. agree I would say that Scream is a pretty hard movie to follow. Like, yeah. to have any sequels at all. Like, the film was so groundbreaking. Like, yeah, anything to be that, to be that, would be almost impossible. So, just kind of, kind of going back to the intensity of the scene you filmed with Drew. So, we've seen some behind the scenes stuff where it looks like it's really cold. There's a lot of physicality happening. There's a lot of blood on her at certain points, of course. What was she like on set, like, despite all of that? Oh, she had total positive energy, man. Just bubbly and fun, total pro, you know, didn't miss a beat, hit her mark. She was, you know, she's she's so easy and easygoing. And 
she had a great she had a great attitude because if you look in the behind the scenes stuff right everybody's got jackets on except i her, know like right? she's barefoot <laughs> you know she's barefoot she's got her wardrobe she weighs you know she's this big around probably weighs 90 pounds right and she didn't complain about being cold and she was cold you yeah. know and, and even i with when you get on these these robes i don't know if you can see that on camera but this is one this is the scream one robe oh, awesome. when you put that on normally they're hot and you can't breathe and you can't see right of course but that night i was not sweating let's put it that way normally <laughs> you're a big sweaty mess i'm like yeah i'm, I'm good I, I was comfortable so anybody else had jackets on i was okay drew was cold you know i'm dragging her through wet grass because everything had dew on it yeah <laughs> She, she is a trooper, man. Yeah, you can tell in the thing that she's like seems to be having a good time. Like there's a lot of like smiling in between and then jumping around. But it's really great to hear that she's exactly the way that we know her to be. <laughs> yeah, if you ever if you ever caught her, you know, her TV show or any of her stuff on like Instagram and stuff, she that's her, man. It's the real yeah. deal. It's yeah. but every time we've met her, we like somehow she exceeds the expectation of how you expect her to be. Like, and we so already she, know how she is. Yeah. <laughs> she's very grounded, very humanistic. I mean, she's just a really cool person. Love you know, that. You, you get what you see. Yeah, <laughs> very right. real. Speaking of seeing things, do you remember your reaction to seeing the completed movie for the first time? It's a double-edged sword. You know, you, when you make a movie and and you're seeing it and you're trying to you're trying to enjoy the film, right? And like, once you know how movies are made, I, it takes a lot of, it takes a great piece of film work for me to turn my brain off and just enjoy a movie. So I, yes, I enjoyed watching the final product. And one of the things that Wes and I were talking about one day, and we we're talking about movies in general, he's like, there's three movies. When you, when you make a movie, you have three movies. He goes, you get the script, that's movie one. You got the one in your head and you shoot a movie, that's two, and then you get the final one that goes out, that's the third. So you actually have three movies in one. Yeah. But it's really the final cut that makes the difference because that's what everybody gets to see. Yep, I mean, but you hear a lot how much a movie changes in the editing room. So yeah, I've, I've been on the editing room a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot in my career. So, nice. Like, Very I didn't cool. make it, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they kept you in this one. <laughs> yeah, so am I. So am I. Um, it's funny because there's one of the, it's not necessarily rumor because it's accurate, is there's uh, on the opening scene, remember when uh, I, I put my head through the window, right? Right. She right. right. So I shot that with Wes. So he saw the dailies from that day and he, and he didn't like what he saw. And it wasn't nothing personal. He just didn't like the rhythm or cadence or whatever that in that film that he didn't like. So he went back in real quick and shot it because um, I wasn't on set that day. So he went back and reshot it with him. And so that is answer. true. I have heard that before, but I've always seemed like, eh, yeah, but here's the true. kicker. Here's the kicker. He did that. And then he liked mine better and put it back in. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. And that is, that is uh collaborated by Tony C, the stunt coordinator, because he was in on that and obviously it was a stunt. So, yeah. So it's really, it went from me to West back to me. <laughs> Great. So I don't direct and awesome. shouldn't do stunts. We're good. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So the last question we have just kind of like loops us back to your connections to Drew. And we're wondering if you have any unique or fun memories that you could share about your time with Drew. 
I wouldn't say fun. So like I like I said, I dropped her on her face, right? Yes, and that we is, got that one. <laughs> that one, that one, like I That's think it unique. scarred me. I think it's like this. I think I have PTSD from that scene. <laughs> so that endeared me to her because that was a full on stunt. That should have been stunt woman. We couldn't do it. So any any actor actress that could cowboy up like that and and take a hit and like hey let's this is you know let's get this film done and let's put it in the can and I know it's going to hurt and still do it. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So I really appreciated that about her. And then her and I had it when we went on to scream. Uh, you'll see it in the in the behind the scenes thing. And, you know, I always treat everybody as, as well as I can. It was nice to be able to like pick her up off the ground, <laughs> you know, pick her up, shake her off a little bit, and you know, let her go bounce off and, and be Drew. So <laughs> you know, she was a pro. I enjoyed it, and it was it was a good time. And I was so blessed to be a part of that, and especially now we get to revisit it and talk about it and, and keep that franchise going. And uh, so, yeah, Drew's a pro. I, I really would like to cross her path again. That's you know, awesome. She's got a dynasty rolling right now. TV <laughs> she's got shows, her hands and everything. <laughs> you know, and product lines and dog product lines and <laughs> magazines, and she's just eating it up. She's crushing it. And I, I'm really excited about that. That's really cool because she's such a sweet person. I just I wish her nothing but success, and she seems to be doing it quite well. Yeah, it's great. Oh, that's so wonderful. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing all this these stories and these memories and cool pieces of information we didn't already know. It's such a pleasure. Anytime, guys. You guys are a lot of fun. I really appreciate you letting me come out here and and, and ramble on and laugh a little bit and tell a few <laughs> stories. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you again, Lee, for being our first guest. That was pretty thrilling. <laughs> if you'd like to see the entire uncut interview in video form, we actually just created a YouTube page for that purpose. Um, our username is How Do You Drew, and we'll put a link to that on our website at HowDoYouDrew.com and also on the episode page. You just want to make sure that we're on every platform. <laughs> we can't miss the chance to be in video format. <laughs> Even though we are in <laughs> closets and tiny Dark rooms. closets with no makeup on. But. <laughs> you know what? It's great. We're just, you know, we want to be the next role models. <laughs> we're keeping it real like Drew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. So... I think that's it. I think I got everything. I feel like I can take a deep breath and <sighs> relax. This, it's this been... moment that you've prepared for. Oh my God. I mean, truly since 1998, I've just been like collecting all these little <laughs> jewels and gems. I mean, my first laptop, I, I used to connect to AOL and I remember like downloading Scream stuff and finding Scream websites. Like <laughs> it's been a thing. I had to like, I think I had like a screensaver I made. <laughs> it's a whole deal. <laughs> I love it's it. funny to think about. <laughs> okay, so thank you guys so much. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I put my heart and soul into it. <laughs> Hopefully you learned some new things. We'd really appreciate as always if you could rate, review, subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at how do you drew pop. And as we always say, send listener mail to howdoyoudrewpod at gmail.com. Happy Halloween that's coming up. And also, we'll see you on the next episode next Tuesday. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Stay safe. Don't get stabbed.
The How Do You Drew podcast is researched and produced by Ashley and Anne from thedrewseum.com. Our theme song is by our dear friend, Matt Costa, and we'll see you next Tuesday.